0: Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next edition of Crosscut Maker Podcast. And if you have been listening to any of them in the past several months, I've been doing uh, exclusively eschatological updates as they result, or as they tie into current events. So it has been a little bit more than three weeks since I've done one. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to do it. Now, of course, uh, today is January 11th, 2000, or 2021, so this would be my first uh, podcast in 2021. And I think everybody, of course, was hoping <laughs> at the end of 2020 that 2021 would be a better year, considering the incredible nature of 2020 with the coronavirus the riots, and the election, and all the stuff that has been going on. And of course, we have gotten off to a ruckus start in 2021. And of course, you know, just the subject of my podcast, believing, you know, here's the, what I'm talking about in this particular podcast. I do all kinds of other social media, so this is not the only thing I do. But so the podcast, I am just basically doing how I believe current events are setting the stage for the tribulation period. And I have uh, claimed it multiple times and still do that what we're experiencing are biblical birth pangs. And birth pangs by nature, you know, in, in the natural birth of a woman, and of course in the spiritual sense of what we're talking about here, do not, the, the nature of birth pangs are they increase in frequency and intensity. They do not decrease. And so I would expect 2021 to be, uh, continue to increase in the intensity of the events that are going on if these are biblical birthmangs, if we are approaching the tribulation period, as I firmly believe that we are. You know, I say this pretty much every time I open a podcast is that I'm more convinced from the last podcast, you know, and significantly more uh, convinced than the last podcast because of the events and how they are going on, and there's absolutely no sign of them turning around. You know, just in general, a couple of things in general. We'll start off with is, of course, the coronavirus is still uh, worldwide increasing in numbers. You know, increasing in deaths. And there's there's a there's a new st- couple new strains. One of them out of the UK, one of them out of South Africa. that have mutated and uh, seems to be more infectious. And um, they're worried that maybe down the road, we'll how how much uh, that will affect the or will make the effectiveness of the vaccines if it will affect that at all. Cuz I think everybody's hoping on a human level that the uh, the vaccines that they have out now that once, you know, take might probably take half a year to three quarters of a year were to vaccinate enough of the uh, enough of the world where it would be uh, non-issue and we could reopen everything. And and that is my hope on a human level of course as well. And I'm not really going to go into the vaccines and whether the problems with it, the you know arguments for them against them Maybe some other podcast, I'll talk about that. But anyway, on a human level, we're, we're, I think where everybody's hoping for the coronavirus to be taken care of by whatever the uh, solution be. And I think the vaccine vaccines right now is what people are hoping will work. But of course, with these new mutations and the acceleration of it, it just doesn't seem like anything... doesn't seem like it's going in the right direction there. And the humongous event that has happened on January 6th that, you know, just when you thought, you know, you're sitting there thinking, the world can't get any more intense. And of course, everybody was watching on January 6th to see what was going to happen. Not, I don't think, I didn't expect what happened to happen, but I was watching the political discourse in, in the in the Senate chambers and the House chambers just to see, all right, is there anything here? It's kind of like Trump's final hurrah and uh, just kind of looking for a uh, what do you call it, just, you know, closure on it, to where one way or the other, either he, you know, concede or, or, you know, see if there's anything that can be done. So I was watching the political discourse of that, and of course, I, you know, I've heard, I'd heard that it pretty much is just a dog and pony show, and nothing's going to come out of it, but then, of course, everything broke loose, and people actually, you know, after the president's speech, they breached the Capitol building, and, I mean, you know, (laughs) So you're just watching. you just watching it, and you're going. It doesn't even seem like reality. It looks like a movie. You know, it's just mind-boggling. So you, just, you know, it's, I viewed that. I viewed January 6 almost as another 9/11. As with the coronavirus, you know, looking back on that, I, I, there was never one day when I remember everything changing. It was kind of a prog- process that happened from late February till late March, where you realize, okay, this thing's getting over here, but it wasn't, a, there was never that moment where, on January 6th, watching that, it felt like watching 9-11 again, I mean, it just, you just knew this was going to transform a whole lot of things, and of course it has, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of everything, but, um, certainly this has accelerated a whole lot of things, and the, the Democrats and the liberal, uh, nature of things in the politics political world certainly got everything they wanted last week. Not only did they get the two seats that gives them control of the Senate, but they also get the uh, they also uh, basically just Trump destroyed himself on January 6th by what happened there. Now I don't think and it's I'm not going to go too in depth on this, but I, I don't think that Trump really thought that was going to happen the breach part of it, and where, you know, he you have to know, if you really thought that was going to happen, that would ruin everything that you're trying to do. But regardless, I think that the the speech that he gave, now politically, if you listen to me at all, I'm conservative politically. Um, I'm not. uh, I I don't, I, I tend to not even pay attention to politics all that much, but I feel like it's necessary now, this year, because everything's... You know, everything's coming to your front door now, and so even national politics is going to affect you uh, personally. And so, just in that as- aspect of, it, but also how it ties into eschatology, I have been paying more attention to it than I prefer to. Um, but I am, I am, I'm Republican, I guess you'd say conservative. But I would say that I've never put my hope in the Republican Party. I don't believe the Republican Party is a Christian party. A lot of self-righteousness there. There are some Christians there, I'm sure. And, but just politically speaking, I, I view the way that uh, party would run government way better than I think what we're about to get. I think we're about to get what is about the worst-case scenario politically. And well, anyway, but again, I, that's not my issue to go into uh, economics and all those things. But regardless, Trump, had he pretty much destroyed himself last week completely. Now, he probably would have run... In 2024, I think he probably realized that his chances of uh, going into another term were minimal at best, even going into last uh, January 6th, but I think he really was kind of building for 2024. Well, that's not even a possibility anymore. He'll be blessed, I don't like to use the word fortune or lucky, because God is sovereign and there is no such thing as luck. Um, My daughter always says, anytime I hear the word luck, she goes, Dad? No such thing as luck, because ultimately God is in control of every single detail, every single molecule. But regardless, he, uh, he will be blessed to make it even to the next ten days. You know, they're calling for the 25th Amendment or impeachment, and they really think he, uh, of course, you know, that he's, he's neurotic and dangerous and everything else. And, like I say, I'll just say this real quick, okay? Um... Like I just mentioned, I am a Republican, and I have, when he first got elected, I was worried because of his his uh, personality and the way he does. He just he's not he's not presidential. He's not professional at all. He he he's so arrogant and he's so I just you know it's just he's a narcissist and he has no restrictions on his mouth. And of course, that flowed through Twitter mainly. So I was worried when he got elected. Like, oh, man, he could really do some crazy things here. But then uh, over the... You know, so I was kind of like, ugh. But I was still pleased over the other option. And so... But anyway, over the first three years, the things that he did politically, I was really, really pleased with him to the point where I was talking like, you know, this guy is on a political level the best president that I've ever... I believe we've ever had, including Reagan, including everybody else. Just because he he did things. He didn't care. and So it's like he had this the the dual the good side and the bad side of his not caring what you thought was, the good thing is he just did what he said he was going to do and he didn't have that political nature to him where he was just saying what he wanted to say to get elected and then he just did whatever was feasible he just he didn't care what you think he just did what he said he was going to do and i think that it caused a lot of good things moving the uh capital or the embassy to jerusalem and israel and the things that he did with israel were very very good and a lot of a lot of presidents including obama including uh george w bush had promised to move the embassy to jerusalem and never did because it was politically unfeasible for them well trump didn't really care about that so he did it anyway and uh and many other things you know the the the, uh, the hard negotiations with china and the trade deal he just did uh, on a, on an economical economic level i think incredible things but he still throughout his term had these He had that attitude, you know, every every other week I hear him say something on Twitter and I couldn't follow him, I couldn't listen to him talk because I just couldn't take the arrogance of it. Um, And so I I supported him politically, but I just, I realized that he was not a Christian and I couldn't even listen to him talk because he was just so full of himself. And so, but I just sit there and go, man, I can't believe the president of the United States would tweet something like that. It's almost mind boggling. But that was before his election. But all the way through the term and so but then when honestly when the election happened and and he went on there the night of and declared that it was he had been robbed and the election was rigged and before the election had even been decided not even it was it wasn't even close it was like about 10 o'clock at night, I immediately looked at my wife and said, that is, that is incredibly. That is a uh, dangerous thing to say for the President of the United States when we don't know that. You don't, there's no way to know that at this point. So he had already decided that he had been robbed, and he had been talking about it up, leading up to the election. And so you know, that just made me think, okay, well, you know, you better be able to prove what you just said. And, uh, and, and I thought, well, hey, you know, I don't put anything past any political group, uh, in, in particular the left. And so we'll see what happens. But then over the three weeks after the election, I became more convinced that if, if there was widespread voter fraud, they, they had not been able to prove it. And so I thought the right thing to do for him, just for the peace of the country, was to concede, you know. Um, but he never did. And then, of course, he, he did, you know, he's, I think, towards January 6th, you know, asking Pence to do you know send it back to the states ask I mean asking him for things that are in my opinion were outrageous and were unpresidential and he had gone way beyond at that point point. and then he gave the speech and he fired up a crowd that was there and he said some things that were again I don't think he intended for them to breach the Capitol but just after that happened you look back on the speech and you certainly can hold him responsible for those actions I mean, not, not every single action there, but you can. he's certainly involved. He's got some responsibility involved in that. And, uh, and so kind of all the four years of that just self-love, pride, caught up to him. You know, I mentioned this to people, that eventually that kind of pride collapses on itself every single time. God humbles the proud every single time, doesn't matter who you are. And he just got he got to believe that he was irreplaceable. And he had gotten half the country to basically start believing anything he said. And you know, I'm not debating on, I don't know, there's so much deception and so much rumor and innuendo on both sides. It is almost impossible to know what's true anymore. I mean, I'm talking on major events now. Ugh, it's mind-boggling. And so, regardless, I felt like, when, you know, that he was responsible for what happened last Wednesday... And that he he's finished, and he rightly sh- he rightly so should be finished. Not because I don't agree with him politically, because I do. Not that I don't believe that the Democrats coming in are going to do some radical things, and it could it could severely, severely, if not ruin our country. I, I believe that too. I believe what they want is control. And but the regardless, the the, the election people, if that's what people voted for, and there's no way to demonstrate clearly that that's not what people voted for especially in light of uh, the election last Tuesday on January 5th for those two senate seats in Georgia came out to be very similar outcomes from the presidential race and you know everybody's eyes were on that there were no delays in the counting there's no you know like you know a lot of people were were suspicious of the delay that's you know people they stopped counting votes on election night in November and that's when all the, the machines were manipulated and everything else. And again, you know, I'm not ruling that completely out. I don't know. But I doubt it in my mind. Um, but anyway, regardless, the point is, I'm, I'm, I think that last Tuesday's election with the Senate verified, you know, kind of this is what the American people want, especially the young. Uh, the young people have not uh, experienced what socialism does. And so they're probably going to have to learn the hard way now. But regardless, elections, we have them. And who wins, wins and then you, and they get to install their policies and now that they have control over the House and Senate and a Biden administration, then they get the right to do what they're going to do. Now, again, whether they go beyond and they pack, pack the court and they, they do things that are highly unusual, that's possible, and that could cause reactions with people. And uh, But that's to be seen. So I think that's just my summary of what I believe about what happened last week and it's just incredible 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 as to but how that ties into eschatology i'm not really sure to be honest i just my thought of biden winning the the election it removed the, the, the globalist movement throughout the world which has been going on for 40 50 years a real real push for it the last little speed bump they didn't see coming was Donald Trump when he got elected. They just assumed Hillary Clinton was going to win. They were just going to roll into, from the Obama administration to it, Clinton administration and just kind of do their global movement that they had been building. But then they hit the speed bump. And then Trump started doing all kinds of other things and he was clearly a nationalist, not a globalist. And I think that's the way scripture teaches government should be as nations and not a global government obviously that's the end time, end time government and you saw back at the t- Tower of Babel you know h- how that turned out and so I just think that now that Biden and Harris are going to take office and they have complete control and then they also have the cooperation of many other world leaders that is wanting to go to this global governance That, and, and then you have this all with the backdrop of the Great Reset everybody talking about the Great Reset um, where there, you know, this reaction to the coronavirus is going to cause this global... And we've talked about this before several times, and I just think that now that Biden and Harris are going to take office, that this is going to be a, a reality now, that we are approaching a global government, which, of course, is a gigantic piece of the end-time puzzle. It's because the Antichrist takes over a global government. And so that is one, that's why this is an important thing to talk about in regards to eschatology is I do believe the globalists and and with the coming great reset are going to get their way now where and when the rapture ties in to accelerate everything we don't know only God knows when the rapture of the church the the glorification removal of all the true believers will happen will be an accelerant that will press that forward even faster Um, but but it doesn't need much accelerating anyway I heard John Kerry talk about the the Great Reset and how this is going to, you know, he basically said this is going to happen faster than most people realize. That's an incredible thing for somebody who's going to have a pretty uh, prominent place in the Biden administration to say. So that was the humongous event that has happened in the, in the last three weeks, and of course that was just the most recent. But other things that we'll talk about here that have happened over since I've done the last podcast. We'll just kind of go through these. Now, peace agreements in uh, the Middle East. Um, Sudan officially normalized with Israel last week. And again, I've talked about Sudan. They are part of the uh, invasion, the uh, coalition that invades Israel in the end times. And so I don't believe that that normalization agreement will hold up. Um, but they did officially normalize. Um, I think when the time comes that they will, you know, there there is a teaching in the Islamic religion where you can make peace with your enemy. But you're not really making peace. You're making a false peace in order to gain an advantage. And I think that's what Sudan is doing. But uh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia still has not normalized. There was uh, rumors that Pence was going to go over... We talked about this on the last podcast, that he was going to go over to Saudi Arabia and hopefully close that normalization agreement on January 13th. But I do believe that has been called off. But in the meantime, you know, I learned a few things. One thing, Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, he wants to build a city called Neon in southwest Saudi Arabia. And uh, he also wants a bridge across uh, the Terran Strait. And this is all in order to help. They're having economic difficulties, like every nation is. But I guess they're in incredible circumstances there economically. And Israel has the veto power from a previous accord, the Camp David Accord. And so this is just one thing that would that normalizing would solve. And so I just that was like right after I did the last podcast, I, I, I heard somebody talk about this as to why Saudi Arabia. One of the big reasons Saudi Arabia. Would normalize with Israel, and that would be one of the reasons. Now, of course, they still have not yet, and and they might in the next before the Trump, before Biden takes office, and they might after Biden takes office. I still anticipate it because they are one of the people in the Ezekiel prophecy that they don't they don't respond and defend Israel, but they're not part of the invasion. They actually question the invasion. All right, uh, the Palestinians. Egypt and Jordan are again asking for peace talks with Israel. Palestinians have called on the United Nations to get involved, and they now are calling on Egypt and Jordan. and But they are wanting to get involved in the peace talks with Israel. And we've talked about that many times where I think that's the final piece of the puzzle that the Antichrist is able to bring in. They're able to bring in. the He will be able to bring in the Palestinians and kind of put the final nail in the uh, seven-year agreement that makes everybody happy. Israel will get their temple. Palestinian will probably get their state. And, you know, the whole region will seem to have been solved by the Antichrist. But, of course, it'll be a short, it'll be a, it'll be a false piece that breaks down at the midpoint. But they are, again, asking for those things. Now, Pakistan had been rumored to be very close to normalizing with Israel, but I have not heard anything further on that. Also, I did hear of rumors of the, that they're having appendices to the Abraham Accords that deal with Israel's access to the Temple Mount. Uh, again, they understand the temple will eventually be... or the, the temple that Israel wants to build is not a temple to the true God. It's a temple for, quote, all the nations. Um, and so we've talked about how part of the Abraham Accords is to unite all the three Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. And the temple that Israel wants to build, they're not building it in belief of their Messiah. They're building it in unbelief of their Messiah, which makes it an unbelief of the true God. Without Jesus, you don't have the true God. And so they are building this temple as a unifying. They will want to, but they want to and probably ultimately will build this temple for the unification of the nations. Kind of roll everything. I talked about this before. I do believe Judaism will be rolled into the one world religion. They'll go along with everybody else. And that's the way it always has been. You have one true religion, and every other religion is false. And uh, it doesn't matter which nature of that falsity, or even if they're in conflict with each other, that ultimately they'll unify against the one true religion, and that is Jesus Christ and Christianity. All right, so there. I don't know how if that's true or not, whether the appendices to the Accords to deal with it, uh, but we know eventually Israel will get access. There has been all kinds of discussions about them getting us access to the Temple Mount. And uh, that certainly will be something that happens. Probably, in my opinion, will be something that is tied into the seven-year peace agreement. All right, other things that have happened. Croatia had a a pretty major earthquake, 6.4, and that caused damage and death. Uh, The increase in earthquakes is a a biblical sign at the end of times. And haven't checked recently. Um, Check here real quick. There's a pretty consistent... You know, flow of earthquakes that happened. Um, just looking at my app here, you got know, 6.1 in Indonesia, 6.3 in New Zealand, 6.1 in uh, I can't say that word. Vanuatu, and 6.1 in Argentina, another 6.1 in that same unpronounceable uns- word for me. So the increase in earthquakes is is continuing, and they likely will get worse. All right, the technological advances, uh, this is a notation I had to myself, um, posted about it a little while ago, the technological advances, along with the increases in worldliness and materialism it has brought, has enslaved a population, It's cornered it to agree to demands of government and business they previously never would, and this is dealing with how governments are dealing with the uh, coronavirus and the vaccine in particular. And I've heard it said, and this is probably true, that the government is not going to be the ones who need to enforce or uh, enforce that everybody gets a vaccine. It'll be the big businesses that do that because you won't be able to fly. You won't be able to go to sporting events or concerts or or uh, you know, anything that would require you to be around a crowd unless you can certify that or verify that you've had the vaccine. And so the government won't even need to do that. That'll be the companies that will likely enforce that. And we talked about last time. Where in the, in the tribulation period, it's not going to be just government rule. It will be government rule, but it will also be an elite rule as well, where the major, gigantic businesses will participate. Because you won't be able to buy or sell unless you take the mark. That means it will also have to be uh, enforced economically. And one part of, the obviously, the January 6th... Uh, ramifications of what happened there is that, as you probably know, Donald Trump got banned from all social media. The President of the United States got banned from communicating with people in the United States or the world through social media, which is an incredible thing to think about. And that's just another example of how you see that big tech, big government, I'm sorry, big business will be heavily involved in the in the Uh, creation of this global world order. It won't just be governmental, it'll also be economical. And especially in in regards to big tech. The censorship that's going on right now is incredible. Incredible. What they're doing now. This this is what is one thing that has outflowed from the January 6th event is the censorship and the suppression of conservative speech in this country, all under, under the auspices that if they, you know, these these people are all crazy. And look what happens when you let them interact with each other is they gather together and they attack the capital of the United States. And so that's what their excuse is to suppress speech. But, of course, you know, earlier all year pretty much, but especially in the summer, there was a whole lot of communication going on about where and when BLM was going to meet and do a whole lot of destructive things as well. But... Again, hypocrisy is something you will see run amok in this world. All right. Well, how much of the birth pangs the church sees is dependent upon the amount of time between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation period. The shorter the time, the more we'll see. I heard this uh, taught a couple weeks ago, and I thought this is worth noting. It's a good point because I've, I've even I probably have mentioned on the podcast, but if not, I'll mention it now. That I am ninety-five percent. Pre-trib rapture. As I believe that the removal of the church happens before the uh, tribulation period begins, the seven-year peace agreement involving Israel. But it is the stage is being so clearly set now that I'm almost to the point where I'm thinking, hmm, might have to reconsider my theology on that if we, if we actually, you know, if, again, I'll read, I'll adjust it. Obviously, if I if I'm here or if Christians are here, and we see the seven-year peace agreement occur and then we'll know okay oops thought i was pre-trib now i'm mid-trib all right well if we get past the mid-trib and we're still here well i guess i'm post-trib but i, I still am pre-trib i'm 95 percent pre-trib 4 percent mid-trib 1 post-trib and uh um, but here's what i'm thinking is and this is a good point i heard and this is why i'm repeating it is i don't we've i've always taught that okay when the rapture occurs that does not begin the tribulation period that is a in my opinion, a final global birth pang that creates the environment for the, the, the Tribulation Peace Agreement to occur. But there will be time between the rapture and the, and the signing of this Tribulation period. And everybody has speculated it could be weeks, months, or years. I, I've always thought months, and I still think months, if not weeks now, because you see so much of the stage being set, in an accelerant like that there's, everything's in place, it would just wouldn't take long to wrap it all up into this agreement. Um, but again, only the Lord knows that. But the, just looking how close it seems like, you know, it's just rolling toward everything. All these prophetic uh, stage-setting events are converging all at one time and accelerating. It just seems like, that it, it, it seems like a, the actual tribulation agreement could a, occur very soon. And if so, if, if the pre-trib rapture position is correct, then the rapture of the church would be very soon. Again, repeat every time I say something like that. that it, n- Never call a date. Never call a season. Never call like it has to happen in spring, has to happen in the fall, has to happen during this religious season. Nothing of the sort. I'll never do that. The scripture teaches that no one knows the day or the hour. And so, the day or the hour of the rapture is a mystery. Nobody, Anybody who claims a date for the return of Christ and the rapture of the church is somebody you don't want to listen to anymore because they can't understand the clearest command of Scripture, Then I don't see why you would want to listen to them on anything more difficult. Uh, but, like I said, seeing how these are all converging, and again, every time I do a podcast, more and more, and it's like, what's next? You know, will there... Well, we'll be three weeks from now. You know, that's kind of how long I've been doing these podcasts. Is I don't even know. My church might be gone in the next three weeks. It might not be again. I always said, not saying that you know, rapture is going to happen in the next three weeks, but it's the what we can see. You cannot know the hour of the day of the rapture if the pre-trip position is correct. But what you can see is the setting of the stage. What happens after the rapture that is visible, and it's something that you can observe the stage setting of that, and so that. Is what we see converging in an incredible way, and the Great Reset is going to be a big, big piece of that puzzle, in my opinion, in 2021. Now, as far as I've heard, there's some, there's a couple of events going on with the World Economic Forum with Great Reset, and one of them is supposed to be right after the the uh, a virtual event, right after the inauguration of Biden, like you know, last week in January. And then there's also another event, as far as I remember, in May, like May 18th through the 21st, something like that. When it comes to this Great Reset, now with Biden will be in office for both of those, and you can definitely see some acceleration in that process. And I do believe the Great Reset will almost certainly be the global structure the Antichrist takes over. Almost certainly. And that's a, I know it's a pretty bold statement to make. We're talking about the you know we're talking about the tribulation period here, and I can't see. The way things are converging, how the Great Reset does not play an absolute vital role in creating the global structure that the Antichrist will take over. But again, nobody knows. I've said this many times too. This is my own personal viewpoint on studying eschatology and observing what what is happening. Is that I am not 100% sure this is the process that will lead to the tribulation period. There's no way to know that for sure. But in my humble opinion to myself, I'm like 99.9% sure now. Where maybe last year I was like 93% sure, and then it became 94%. i am up to the point where I don't see how it can't be, but again, only God knows for sure. And could everything just go back to normal and the tribulation happened a thousand years from now long after I'm dead? Of course, it's still possible because only God knows for sure the time. But like I said, I'm as sure as I can get without being sure. And when it comes to the Great Reset, I don't know how that's not the global structure the Antichrist will take over. So that's going to be incredible to observe if the church is still here to observe it. And like I said earlier, January 6th officially ended Trump and his influence. Yet, Sudan normalized after January 6th. Also Saudi Arabia and Qatar had some kind of an agreement with them within themselves that didn't involve Israel directly, showing that the normalizations are not dependent upon one man. So these normalization agreements appear to be going forward because you know something happened, a couple of significant events happened after, after January 6. and if it's all dependent on Trump, then nothing would have happened because everybody knew that Trump was ruined on January 6th that evening everybody knew he was finished. and these things are still going forward. So Trump started the process. And again, this is where I give him a lot of political uh, love or political um, very, uh, I think he did a great job in, in establishing these peace, peace agreements in the Middle East that you know, has flowed from his deal of the century and then these normalization agreements are what really got things going on. Again, this these normalizations, normalization agreements are all pretty much driven by the fear of Iran getting a nuclear weapon. So that's a whole nother issue that I really didn't have any notes to talk about. But they they announced a couple days ago that they are going to go to 20% uranium enrichment. They're just accelerating. They're blowing past all of the uh, protocols and the agreements that were made. And they're basically showing that they are going forward to build a nuclear weapon, regardless. And how Biden's going to handle all that, because he's always he's talked about going back to that agreement they had, the JCPV. I think is what it was called. Um when Obama was in office, and I don't even know how that's feasible anymore, because they breached all of those uh, those limits, and they're, they're not turning around now. Now, that's one other thing where it could be very interesting over the next... I didn't write any notes to talk about this, but I'll just briefly mention what I have here in my mind, is that, you know, obviously... And we have, what, 10, 11 days left until Biden takes office. And, of course, as we saw on January 6th, a lot of things can happen very quickly that we don't see. And so that's why they are I think they're trying to get him to either resign or they want Pence to do the 25th Amendment or... So we have nine days left. It's the 11th. Or they want to uh, impeach him. And, again, I'm... I've already talked about we're all I'm going to talk about when it comes to those things, um, but the one thing that I have thought that would be something that significant could happen is an engagement between Iran and the United States because we've been building up our military over there for uh, quite a while because of their threats, and then, of course January 3rd was the anniversary date of of the uh, assassination of their uh, Soleimani. Their their military leader last year and so everybody was geared up thinking they were going to do something to, uh, to react on that day. Of course, it didn't happen, but they've still been threatening and they've been doing uh, uh, threatening postures and the United States has responded by bringing over b-52s and, and, and uh, uh, military uh, ships into the Persian Gulf and it's just there's, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of tension there. And that would be something that would be um, significant that could still occur. Now, whether Trump could respond militarily or not now that he's putting himself in this position where everybody's against him, I don't know. But that is something to watch. Again, I didn't have any notes to talk about that. But, but they are the ones, going back to my original point, is that the normalization agreements are going to go forward because of the fear of Iran getting a nuclear weapon that's what that's what is rooting all of these normalization agreements and so they will go forward i believe and now how many could there be several more before trump leaves like saudi arabia even there could be there's there's been rumored of many and and they're still over there his is still over there in the middle east working and so we'll see on that but my bottom line my point here is that these normalizations are not dependent on just trump so they're probably going to go forward even into the biden administration but we'll see how those Things affect, and so the two things that I think are are significant pieces of the eschatological puzzle are, like I said, the Great Reset is one that I believe will be the the culmination of that will that will create the global government that the Antichrist ultimately will take over, and also I do believe very firmly that the Abraham Accords is the peace process that the Antichrist will confirm and adjust to seven years, triggering the tribulation period. So those are two significant processes the Great Reset and these these normalization agreements, these Abraham Accords that are going forward that will be adjusted and confirmed by the Antichrist. All right, well, the final note I have here is that, you know, I talked about this a little bit already. The monkey wrench, the globalists, haven't factored into their very aggressive plans. Actually, it's not going to be a monkey wrench. It'll be an accelerant. Is a cataclysmic removal of the church. And so all these things are accelerating, you just see the convergence of these things actually forming what prophecy says will be in the tribulation period. And But there's still a factor, again, we talked about just a minute ago, whether, you know, if, if the pre-trib rapture is the correct view, the correct timing of the rapture, then that will be the final accelerant, the final cataclysmic global birth pang that will make the coronavirus, that will make the riots that will make January 6th, that will make everything has happened over the last year pale by comparison. And then so all of these other pieces of the puzzle that are falling together, that'll be just the final glue that puts them all together and on the scene comes a man who will be the one who takes over this global structure and the tribulation period will begin. Alright, well that's what I have on the podcast and you know, I, I need to frequently remind myself and remind others and because i'm just as guilty as anybody is i think it's important to observe these things and i I genuinely try to do this podcast this podcast is almost painful for me to do now because it just there's so many you just realize the uh, the significance of what this means for the world immediately and and that's everybody not just you know up until last year you know i kind of saw these things coming in in a in a, in a way started doing posting and advertisements and things about prof- uh, prophetic tracking is what I called it but until the coronavirus it didn't get personal and local to me and then the riots got personal and local to me I mean, in fact I live just north of Louisville and we've been a major part of the you know Black Lives Matter protests in the summertime and the whole Breonna okay. Taylor thing so that was very local and now of course you, you realize the the significance of something that happens on January 6th and the anarchy that could cause would not be localized to Washington DC that would become all you know it could potentially become a civil war and that would be that would affect everybody in a dramatic way so it's very difficult sometimes to think about these things but I do believe it's one of the callings God has given me and one of the gifts he's given me to to observe what's going on and to understand eschatology and to kind of put the pieces together But here's what I'm going to say is that the... And so as a Christian, while it's difficult on that human level to realize that if these are biblical birth pangs and if I'm right on what I'm saying, this gets horrifically horrible for the world very soon to a point where it makes the worst time time periods we think about, whether it be a, a plague or World War II or whatever it would be, it'll make that look like a picnic. Jesus Christ himself said, the tribulation period will be worse than any time in the history of the world, up until then, and for till forever. And so, it will clearly be the worst time period in human history. And so there's that reality of that. If it, this is real, and again, there's no indication telling me that I'm that this is this is uh, this is not very likely to happen. Yet, for the Christian, for a Christian, it's supposed to be a time of joy also. Because we're called repeatedly in Scripture to to look for the blessed hope of the coming of our Lord. It's a blessed hope. It's about Him. The tribulation period is about Christ. He will be the one who resolves it at the end of it. And the tribulation period is a very short time period, relatively speaking, in human history. Seven years is a blip compared to even since the time of Christ. And so we realize, and so the the culmination of the tribulation period will be the repentance of Israel. They're going to go through... Staggering brutality during the tribulation period, but they will com- be converted at the end of it. One third that goes into the tribulation period will be converted at the end of it, and then the return of Christ to set up his kingdom. And of course, if we are right on the rapture, timing of the rapture, then Christians won't even experience the tribulation period. That they'll receive instantly and permanently their glorified body no more pain, a joy, and no more sin. In the presence of the Lord forever. I mean, just staggering things to think about for the Christian. For the Christian, it's a glorious thing to think about. And so that's where we got in, myself included, we have to say, okay, it's this, this very possible that the tribulation period is coming. And there's, there's kind of, there's a, there's a discouragement, almost despairness to that, but there's also an excitement to it because it's about Christ. And we would be removed, Christians would be removed before the tribulation period. But if you're listening to this and you're maybe just interested in eschatology, and you're not a Christian, you just uh, you haven't been born again, you haven't been forgiven, you, ha- you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why I always close these podcasts up with the gospel. And I, I have what I call a true biblical gospel presentation in 30 seconds. And that is, one day we will all face the one true and living holy God. And you need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to him before that occurs. And in God's great love, he has mercifully made a way. But that only happens biblically by, one, repentance. That is a confession of your sinfulness and hopelessness from your heart to God. It is a brokenness over your sin. In order to reach out for a Savior, you have to know you need one. And two, faith, believing the gospel. That is who Jesus Christ is. He's truly man and the one true God. So you have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is in Scripture. He's, he is God, and he's also man. And you trust only in his redemptive work. He lived without sin. He died, a de- he died on the cross for the sins of sinners, and he was raised from the dead. You trust only in his work for your salvation, none of your own. A repentant heart will realize that you're, you have completely disqualified yourself from having anything to do with God. And so you're broken over your sin. That leads you to want to trust in somebody else's work. And that would be the perfect work of Jesus Christ. If you genuinely do this, you will be instantly and permanently covered by the righteousness of Christ. And he will have been treated as if he committed all of your past, present, and future sins. It's called the double imputation, double imputation, the double exchange. That's what genuine biblical salvation is. It's not about getting forgiven by Christ and then seeing how you can finish it off yourself through obedience. No, it's about you get completely covered permanently by his perfect life. And all of your sins, future ones as well, though actually when you think about it, they were all future when He was on the cross, but your future sins at the time of your salvation are paid for by him. That's why, that's why salvation is of the Lord and it is permanent. But if you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way you will be judged according to your works, eventually, the white throne judgment. And unless you have lived without even one sin, like Christ, like we just talked about, his perfect obedience, that will end in eternal conscious condemnation. And so, and that's, again, that's eternal and way worse than the tribulation period. But if you get converted, if you genuinely humble yourself and believe, now you would also, in my opinion, again, assuming my timing of the rapture is correct, you would be saved from living into this time period. But one of the reasons I do what I do when it comes to eschatology, especially on social media, is warning people that if you see a seven-year peace agreement involving Israel occur, you've entered into the tribulation period. Okay, so there's, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you to get converted now because you, you don't know if you'll live through today, let alone to the tribulation period, let alone f- through it. There's death rates in the tribulation period that are mind-boggling. We're talking about billions of people dying on particular judgments. And so the last thing you want to do is hold off and say, well, I'll wait till this occurs and see if any of these things actually come to to come to fruition before I believe. That's not how salvation works, One. And two, you don't know if you'll live through the rest of the day. So you need to repent and believe today. But also, I am planting seeds for, yeah, if you, for whatever reason, are listening to this. After the tribulation period, and you have already seen a seven-year peace agreement occur, then yes, you are in the tribulation period. So I am also planting seeds for people who do not get converted before the rapture, but would know and, and hear about things that will come and hopefully God would use that to open heart to believe open the hearts of many to believe so want people to be saved today and also plant seeds for um, and so I always leave peace people with the idea that the, the focal point of visible what you can see about the end times the end of the age the primary thing is a seven year peace agreement involving Israel with a man and again I do not believe that that man who who becomes the Antichrist is somebody who is in power right now. I've said this many times. I believe that uh, he's he's not one of the original ten that come about in this global co- coalition to rule the world, but he's another one that comes up out comes up just a little bit later. Can't be it can't take long because, like I said, I think from the time of the rapture to the time of the peace agreement, pretty short amount of time. So the process has to happen quickly, but I don't believe he's in power now that he's either a newcomer or, in my opinion, more likely somebody who has previously been in political office or a world leader. And then you'll see whoever it is, a person, will make a very specific seven-year deal, and it will involve Israel. So there's no way to avoid them. If you see that, that's a very easy thing to remember. Seven years, Israel. There's the, the trigger. That's the tribulation begins. And at the midpoint is when the Great Tribulation begins. Three and a half years to the day, the Tribulation period begins through a peace agreement. It will be That peace agreement will be broken by the Antichrist. He will claim himself to be God. He will sit in their temple they have rebuilt. And then that's when the time period of human history goes from making World War II look like a picnic. It will be incredible, mind-blowing judgments happening that last three and a half years alright well that's what I have now so we'll see 2020, thank, thank the Lord it's not 2020 right let's say that tongue in cheek um, again I'm not yeah, I struggle with this just like any other human being I have a wife I have a daughter I have church family I love uh, you know a lot of people I care about that are lost and so just seeing what's happening you know just uh, realizing that things are changing so quickly and in they're in their It's global, so you can't avoid these things. It's not like these things are happening in pockets of the world. They don't impact you. They're impacting everybody, and so that's difficult. But again, if you're a Christian, rejoice in the Lord. We're living in a time that that prophets, apostles, would have given everything to live in. Not only do we, I did a whole podcast on the the incredible blessing of being a Christian in 2020, or 2019, or any time recently is that we have the full revelation of God, we have the full completed canon of Scripture, we have access to the Scripture, we have a, a more clear understanding of Christ than even the prophets did who wrote about Him in the Old Testament. We have a an you know, incredible privilege that we have. And then not only that, we very likely are living in the culmination of human history. From the very beginning when God spoke the world into existence, He had decreed, He had planned everything before He did anything, and it culminates in this culminates in the return of Jesus Christ to set up His kingdom. I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's, you can't even, I can't even process it because of the difficulty that's also included in these end-of-the-age events. But that's all we ought to keep. The blessed. It's called the blessed hope in Titus 2.13. We're looking for the blessed hope for Christians. And then we also should spend this time, it should refocus what we have. And this is where I struggle with myself is, is trying to live normally because I believe, you know, just to live a normal, holy Christian life. But it's almost impossible not to be affected by what I believe is occurring to the point where I would just, just feel like, you know, just doing nothing but evangelism warning. And I'm doing most of that on social media now because it's just so much more efficient. And with everything being locked down, it's just been a blessing that I've been able to do, but I just pray that each of us Christians would, would, if we see, if you agree that what I'm saying is correct, that we are indeed approaching the end of the age. You won't be able to evangelize after you're raptured. So if you have lost people in your family or in your friend, circle of friends, you know, it'd be a time to get bold. If you haven't already, it'd be a time to get bold. You know, you not talk about end of the times, you can just talk about the gospel and uh, encourage them to to be converted now. And you can also talk about eschatology as well. Because, like I said, you plant seeds that the Lord might use in the future. All right, well, this is my, uh, I think, my 11th update. And it might be my last, or it might be not my last. Three weeks from now, or approximately then, unless something radical happens, I've always say I might uh, do one sooner if events dictate that. But if not I just kinda wait two or three weeks and then do another one. But I pray this has been been beneficial to you. And until next time, may Christ be known and praised. Amen.